0: We've been preaching, well I've been preaching and you've been listening if you've been here the last couple of weeks on uh, Hebrews 11 and about faith. So um, it's been a wild, wild journey for myself personally and I'm going to tell you some of this uh, wild journey that's been happening for me over the last week and a half. Uh, you don't always know the backstories that are going on behind people and situations and the backstories I think often are the most interesting story, True. I mean, that's why people like watching Australian story, because it's a backstory behind a story that you know, and the backstory makes it really interesting. So today, I'll just tell you this, this is not part of my message, but I don't have a PowerPoint today, and it's like, I'll, yeah, it's, I know. It's amazing I'm even able to stand upright. <laughs> um, but um, honestly, uh, I would think God can just move through lots of different things. This could be really lame today, but yesterday I just had this gut feeling that God wanted me to just get up and, and, and just kind of wing it a bit. All right, which may be bad, but that's kind of, there might be a faith aspect to that. And this morning I thought, I'm going to put a PowerPoint together and work that out. And uh, man, I, I tell you, I was up at ten past six and I'm trying to put it together. It was like pushing meatloaf through a straw. It was very, very difficult. Uh, pulling it together I thought that's all right I'll get it done and if I need to use it I'll use it and so um I came over and I went to open it up off my hard drive my external hard drive and it's not on my hard drive because I'd left it on my desktop at home and I could go home and get it I thought okay maybe I just need to get the message that I'm just need to trust you in this one so we'll see how we go you can be the judge as to whether it was uh, Holy Spirit inspired or not at the end um let me tell you a bit about my last week and a half uh, I've been preaching through Hebrews and uh, last weekend on Sunday, it was my task to preach on Abraham, okay? And Abraham, the classic story about Abraham is God told him to go out and he didn't tell him where and he went out. He didn't know where and he took everyone with him, took lot with him and his family and all the rest. Great man of faith. Now, as God's providence would have it, actually let me backtrack a bit. Uh, those who have been around here long enough that we know that uh, the project's huge on biblical counselling. Biblical counselling is just a biblical approach to helping people with deep issues that's way better than anything secular psychologists and psychiatrists can offer because people at a core level are spiritual, not psychological. They're not biological machines. They're not... Anyway, that's a mouthful. That's what we think. There's a, uh, an organisation in the States I've been studying through, which I'll be going over to visit later in the year for an intensive. And they've gone to a church called uh, Mars Hill Church, which is run by uh, Mark Driscoll, if you've ever heard of him. It's a big church, I think they've probably got 10 or 13,000 people in the church. And uh, so they've developed this course called Redemption Groups, because they found that there were people in the church that had had some pretty serious trauma actually happened to them, that either been physically abused, sexually abused, raped, uh, that had massive addictions, that kind of stuff. And it's been in our heart at the project to run Redemption Groups, which is what they run over there. So early in June, sorry, in the first half of 2012, I'll get to, I'll cut to the chase in a minute, I've just got to set you up, right? Early 2012, in the first half, uh, one, one of the members of the project and I, she's a chaplain at the school here, we ran redemption groups in the high school here in senior high, it was absolutely amazing. We found out after that that you're not allowed to do it unless you've been trained, because it's a bit dangerous to uh, do it, given the kind of stuff that you're handling, which in classic convict style, I thought, after that, I thought, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway because <laughs> most of the content in the book is the studies that I've been, that I've been doing through the Bib counsellors and also I'm a registered counsellor. I thought, I'm just going to back myself to get this one done, uh, even though I can't get in to do the training. Anyway, I promoted redemption groups at an uh, Associated Christian Schools Teachers Conference where there was over a thousand teachers. After that, in July, I sent an email to this lady called Lynn Wilson who was a contact I'd been given at Mars Hill in Seattle, all right? And I sent an email to her saying, I'd love to come over and do redemption group leader training. you think you can fit us in? She never replied. Uh, a few months later, someone replied from a different email address because I tried a different one, and they said, you're too small, you don't have enough leaders, your church is only 80 people, so we're not going to be able to... It, it doesn't make sense for you to come and do it. And I said, thank you. Um, Wednesday, a week and a half ago... I got an email from Lynn Wilson almost two years later. <laughs> All right? I got two emails from Lynn Wilson and a voicemail message on the skills voicemail machine in one night. Now, I don't know about you, but straight up I'm going, that's really bizarre. And the email read something like this Your email's just popped up to me. <laughs> All right? I don't even know how, and I want you to consider whether you'd come over for redemption groups. Redemption group leader training, which starts tomorrow. (laughs) So we're talking a week and a half to pull together um, going to Seattle, all right? Now, there would be, right now, there would be nothing more I would want to do than to get over there, because they have a really cranking biblical counselling ministry, and it's plugged in really well into their church and community groups, and... She's kind of the manager of it. I just thought, man, you could do some sweet stuff if you could get over there. Anyway, as God's providence would have it, I'd actually lost my passport, right? But for some reason, I just decided on the Monday before that, I needed to go and apply for a passport, okay? So I went and applied for a passport on the Monday, and then on the Wednesday, this thing happened Wednesday night. Anyway, Thursday afternoon, uh, at about 10 to 3, she calls the school to talk to me from wherever she was in Seattle or whatever. We talked for half an hour. She said to me, listen, she goes, I just felt like I needed to call you just in case God wanted you to come over here. She said, we don't even have any places in the training. We're stacked full, but I just felt like I needed to call you because I, it happened one other time with a guy in Australia. And I think God can pull things together really quickly if he wants to. All right. Now, just prior to her calling, I'd written an email and you know what I'd written? Here you go. Here's a why is this guy preaching on faith? That's gonna be your question in a minute, right? Because I'd written this email and I wrote in this email, I said, uh, look, I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> this, some of you are going, is, is that it? Can we go home now?
1: All
0: right, <laughs> I, I don't think it's gonna happen. I haven't got the money, pretty much is what I wrote. And then I thought, I thought, you know, you always proof you should proofread an email before you send it, right? So proofread it, and I just thought. I'm preaching about Abraham, right? I can't say that. (laughs) So I went back in and I rephrased it and I said, look, I don't know how that's going to happen. I said, it's possible if God pulls it together, but I just don't know how it's going to happen. So I I shot the email off to her. She calls me. We talk for half an hour. Uh, In a sense, we just identify with each other. It's the same kind of approach, training. They're They're doing the same thing with... Ten or 13,000 people we're trying to do with 130 or 150 and it's all, man, it just all sounds really good. She goes, you need to have good community groups happening to get training, check, uh, you need to have embedded this framework into what the church is doing, check, you know, and she just went through all these things. I'm going, well, that's us. I'm just going, okay. So, I, um, the big, there was a bunch of big problems. The two main problems is where the heck was this money going to come from for me to even go? And you might go, oh, you can take it out of the church budget. Well, we've just told everyone that we're running 500 bucks a week short as it is, and I just don't think it's a time to take $5,000 out of a budget, (laughs) all right? So that was was off the charts. Totally, we'll update you in a month, but the budget's doing okay, by the way, all right? We're doing, we're not going broke. break. God's uh, blessing us. Anyway. Are you okay with this story? Is this all right? This is, this is a weird story. So you, I, I literally may not have been here today or next week, like it was, you're about to find out how close it really was. Anyway, so Thursday afternoon, a whole kind of side story is it looks like, I'm not going to mention any names, but it looks like God's stirring up a, 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 pr- a number of people in the project at the moment to engage with people with these, this kind of brokenness, all right? It's really interesting to watch it. Now, I don't know whether he is and what he's putting together, but it looks like he's stirring some people up. And I came to the uh, conclusion by Thursday afternoon, late Thursday afternoon, I just thought, there's someone else that I need to take with me. And I just honestly had a gut feeling. I just thought, I think God might want this other person to come with me. So I send an email off to her and I'm just going, hey, listen, you don't have a spot for one, but I think two of us need to come, right? And... uh, I don't think she even replied to that one. So uh, anyway, the next morning, Friday morning, I've got two previous appointments about other... They were pre-scheduled appointments with people um, in the church, in the project, all right? I go to the first one, end up just talking about this opportunity that's coming out because it's bizarre. I mean, I was even nervous about telling my wife, right, because I just... I went to her and I said, listen, I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I said, what if God actually landed me in Seattle? Would that be okay? You know? <laughs> Cause she's just started work again, and I'm really keen to support her and in that. And all of a sudden, you know, two or three weeks in, I'm off to Seattle for a week. And uh, she she is a, a lovely lady. And she is if it's if God's in it, I'm in it. Which is that's a good response, right? If God's in it, I'm in it. Anyway, so I'm at my first meeting on uh, Friday morning, just sharing a little bit about this, and the guy I was meeting with just said this to me. He goes, "Right, he goes, I want to pay your way to go. Completely fund you, all right?" I'm just going, "Okay, this is just getting weirder, right?" I want to completely fund you, and I'm just going, "Wow, okay." That fully blessed by that, and he was he was going to be particularly generous with this, and then I finished up with him, and I went to um, another. Family in the church and I got there and what was really interesting is this family in particular sensed God speaking to them about a car that they were selling and they said we want to give this away to someone and we were just talking about that and by the end of the conversation the time with them you know what they came out and said they basically came out and said look we think maybe God might actually want us to sell the car and fund this other guy to go over to Seattle so within four hours potentially we just had funding for two people to go to Seattle all right which, that makes my head spin, okay? But the big problem is there's no spots over there for us, okay? And on top of that, we've just got these, all these little kind of things kind of firing up and flaring up where it looks like God's speaking to people about things and bringing encouragement to people, you know, or speaking at maybe just a little word of insight that we end up receiving. It was just the whole thing was really interesting. So what I had to do is I went straight away and I said... I went and got my passport fast-tracked, right, because I just wanted to be ready to go if God was able to pull this thing together. Well, I shouldn't say that, if God did pull it together because he absolutely can pull that sort of stuff together without any dramas. Um, And I'd been soundly encouraged, you might say rebuked, for my lack of faith at the start that it's like, I can pull it together, I can, we can pull the money from anywhere, you know. Anyway, so uh, it got to this week and we were just in this waiting zone. This other fellow and I were in this waiting zone to see if there'd be a, a, a place that would become available for us, okay? And we're waiting, waiting, waiting. Got to Wednesday and I'm honestly, I'm, I'm getting to the point, I'm just going, is this something that God would want me to just book and travel in faith that He's going to provide? Okay? Now... There's a whole book in the Bible dedicated to wisdom, right? It's called the book of Proverbs. But if you look at Abraham in uh, Hebrews 11, you can see that Abraham goes out. There's not a whole lot of wisdom behind what he's doing. He's just following God. So now we're in this decision-making time where we're just going, is this something that God would would want us to do is to literally book tickets and to plan to fly and to fly out because we'd need to fly out yesterday morning, trusting him that he's going to provide a spot for us. Now, you need to know there's about 120 people go to this training and there's most of it's group work. So they're not flexible when it comes to numbers. They only allow six members in each group and it's locked in and they're just not flexible, all right? I originally thought I'll go down Wednesday morning, I'll pick up my passport from Brisbane instead of getting it mailed out in case it doesn't come and then I'll be all ready to go. So I get to Wednesday, it's Tuesday night, and I just thought I need to tell this lady everything that God's teeing up over here, like it's just bizarre, everything that God was teeing up. So I sent her this big long email telling her that everything that's going on and I said to her, do you think, what if we just bought tickets and we, and we travelled in faith that God was going to provide something for us over there? How do you feel about that? All right. And I asked her a couple of other questions. You know, what would we do? Is there, is there any way we could observe if we got over there and we couldn't make it into a group or whatever? Anyway, Wednesday morning I got up, and it was a really interesting time Wednesday morning, because I got up and I looked at my inbox, and there were two emails. One email, email was from her, and the other email was from, uh, some of you might have heard of Paul Tripp, right? But I've been negotiating with Paul Tripp's people to see if we can get him out on behalf, you don't know this, this is your first time, but to get him out, on, he's a pretty huge in the States, not many people know him in Australia, but to get him out to Australia for the school, but also the church was going to partner in it. So we appreciate your support. <laughs> so Wednesday morning, I got up and I looked in my inbox and I got two emails, one from um, his offsider and one from uh, Lynn Wilson at, at uh, Mars Hill. And you know what both of them were? Both of them were uh, smack bands, probably the best way to put it. All right? The Paul Tripp guy, like they, they did it nicely because they're Christians, right? But the, the Paul Tripp one... <laughs> Not that Christians always do it nicely by the way, but the Paul trip one was, they, they basically said in a nutshell, they said, if you can't guarantee us a thousand people, Paul gets 600 invitations to speak every year, we're not going to come for less than a thousand. Basically is what they said. I'm just going, eh, okay, it would have been nice maybe if they just said, we'll, we'll pray about that one, but we think maybe a thousand, but anyway, maybe they did pray about it. So I've got that one and then I get this one from Lynn Wilson and she says, she was quite succinct. It was probably two or three sentences. She says, we do not recommend that you travel without having a place in the group. Uh, Pretty much there's nothing else we can offer you really is what she said other than if you actually get a place in a group. All right. So at that point in time, I'm just going... (sighs) You ever have that? A sigh moment, you just go... Well, I don't know what the heck has been happening over the last seven days. What is all that about? Um, And I'll be honest, I sat down and I I was going to start doing some, and I actually did start doing some preparation for the message this morning. And I sat there and I I said to someone last week, I said, I don't know whether God's going to do this or whether he's just messing with me, all right? Because he messes with me before I preach most of the time, right? Every week there'll be something going on and I'll just go, why is this going on? You know, and the, oh, I can see there's a correlation between that one I'm preaching on on Sunday. And so um, it was a really interesting time without going into huge detail of me just sitting there on Wednesday morning and not academically working on preparing a message, but just sitting there and just reflectively processing, because I'll be honest with you, I was really disappointed. I was really disappointed. And it was probably the, the time in my life where it, it has been probably the most stark expression of, of God's movement and God's activity of any time in my life. And if, you, if there's anyone here that's like me, it, so, I have moments where I just think, is that really God doing stuff or is that just us talking ourselves into the fact that God's doing stuff? Do you know what I mean? And I, I kind of, I get that quite a bit. And, and it kind of makes me nervous when Christians kick around and they go, God's doing this and that and some of it maybe be years but other stuff I just go, well, I don't know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know and I'm just not, I'm not confident that it's as certain as, as what you're saying. And I'll be honest with you, I was in that kind of place a bit on Wednesday morning, I was just going, man, I just thought you were doing all this stuff and all of a sudden you do something different and, the, and, you, just, and you just turn around. And it just goes a different way. And I could sense within myself the seeds of doubt starting to creep in and doubt toward God and what God's up to and His reality, to be honest. Because you're just going, man, this was, this was... I mean, I haven't even told you everything. If I told you everything, you'd just go... I rang a mate of mine in Sydney about it who's been to one of these training things and I told him, he goes, mate, that's God. We've just got to work out how to get you a place. And then all of a sudden, there's nothing. There's nothing at all. And I'll tell you... I'll finish the story in a sec, but you know what I realised on Wednesday morning? And it's okay, like, God does not call us to be stoic, right? The stoics were people who thought emotions were bad. Is it it wrong to be disappointed? No, well, not necessarily. That's probably the best answer, not necessarily. Is it wrong to be excited about... Is it wrong to be excited about the potential of something happening. What do you think? No, it's not, right? It would be a significant problem if I didn't get excited about something that was exciting, true? That would indicate there's some kind of weird malfunction going on. And if I didn't get disappointed about something that was disappointing, that would be weird too, true? Okay, so I sat there in... And this is the beauty. For me, this is the beauty of... um, the biblical approach to people and understanding people is that I sat there and I just thought, I need to reflect on this and I need to reflect on why I'm disappointed. Disappointment's not wrong, but it might be that there's a problem with why I'm disappointed. And you know what I noticed in myself was this I actually noticed in myself that I'd subtly shifted from hope and active trust in a person to hope and active trust in an outcome. Does that make sense? Because it just looked like it was going to happen. And I was so excited about it happening. I just, honestly, if you'd asked me, I'm just going, I think this is just going to happen. I think we just need to book plane tickets and we need to go. Now, that's not the most abhorrent thing in the world, all right? But I hope you can see that's, that's a little bit of a problem. And it's, it's one of the things I just wanted to share with you today is that I think a large amount of the trouble that we have with faith is that most of the time our faith and our active trust is actually banking in a particular outcome rather than banking in a person. Does that make sense? Like it's just a massive issue. It's a massive issue. and Let me give you a couple of examples. We at the project think that God wants to heal people. Okay? There's no problem with God's desire and with His power. But we also think that there are times when God wants to leave the full restoration until when He comes back and He sorts everything out and totally redeems everything. It raises an interesting question. I mean, I've been around a lot of people who talk about praying for someone's healing in faith. All right? And the really interesting thing about praying for someone's healing in faith is most of the time I've heard people talk about praying in faith for someone's healing, they are talking about faith in a particular outcome. You've got to believe that God's going to heal this person, and that's what your faith is in. Do you get my point? The big problem with that is if God doesn't bring about that particular outcome, what's going to happen? People are going to doubt. People are going to run into trouble. And then listen, when I pray for someone's healing, I pray with active trust, and you ought to pray. I'd encourage all of you, you need to actively trust in God that it is, it is His desire to bring about a particular healing, that he can bring about a particular healing, but he is the one, and you're just, you're submissive to him, you're dependent upon him, and he can do it as he pleases, when he pleases. True? Yeah, you ask for it now. (laughs) You should always ask for it now. But you're not depending in an outcome, you're depending in a person. And some of you probably are in a situation where or have been in situations where you don't trust God because He didn't do what you wanted Him to do. And I just want to tell you, most of the time He doesn't. True? He doesn't do what you want. And I'll give you one reason why He doesn't do what you want. He doesn't do what you want because most of the time the things that you want are the things that you love the most in your heart. They're connected to your idolatry that's in your heart. And it would actually be the worst thing that He could do to give you the thing that you want. Now, if you were to ask me, I'll be brutally honest, if you were to ask me, was there a part of my heart that was enlivened with the thought that I could be someone significant because someone in Seattle wants me to go over? Absolutely there was. Do you see the thing? The gas, the fuel, the energy often that fuels the way that we want God to act in a particular situation is actually not about trust in a particular person. It's about trust in a particular outcome that you want because that's the thing that's more important to you sometimes than what God is. Mm. And that's one thing we talk about at the project a lot is that people worship all the time. You can't help worshipping, you do it all the time. Mm. And you either worship God or you worship something else. And what tends to happen, and this is one of Mark Driscoll's lines, is he says, good things become God things and that becomes a bad thing. And it just, I mean, on Wednesday morning I was able to sit and think about it, and I just thought, I'm disappointed because I didn't get the outcome I wanted. But my outcome was tarnished by what I wanted and by my own weaknesses. Now, I don't think God is a tyrant who's just going, okay, because you're not perfect, I'm not going to give you something that's good, right? I don't think he's punishing me by not pulling it together. Okay? I just know that my desires on the inside get mixed up and my desire, my, my subtle switching from trust in a person to trust in an outcome, which I didn't even notice, probably had a bit to do with the things that I that my heart longs for that go over the top of him sometimes. Does that make sense? And what you see, and this is what we've been seeing in Hebrews 11, is God regularly puts a twist at the end of something. Does anyone notice this? You think something's going to go a particular way and then He just doesn't do it. Now, if your faith and your active trust is in a particular outcome, at that point, you get cranky with Him because that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do what I want you to do you're supposed to carry out the outcome that I think is the one that ought to be carried out. But he won't do it because you know what? It's not loving for you. It's not loving you for him to let you get the thing that rules your heart and that destroys you. You wouldn't do that. I mean, parents don't do that. You see your kids when they're young and they want to head in a particular direction and you stand and you stand in their way and all they can see is you being unfair and not doing what's best for them but you know you're doing what's best for them because they can't see it. And it's this, I mean, we saw it in Abraham's life last week. God says, calls him to uh, offer up his son as a sacrifice. So he goes up on top of the hill and he believes that God's going to raise him from the dead. But you know what? He didn't have any particular... I mean, obviously that's what he expected, but his faith was in the person of God, that God would come through and do what he said he would do. And then there's a ram in the bushes, all right? Twist a lemon. (laughs) There's always a twist of lemon. It doesn't play out the way that we think it is going to play out. So let me tell you the rest of the story. Pretty much nothing happens through from Wednesday of this week just gone, through from Wednesday to uh, to Friday. interesting thing is, uh, last Sunday night, it looked red hot that there was a dude that was going to be showing up Monday morning to buy the car. The money was going to, the guy didn't show. Didn't happen. The, the other dude that was supporting me, some of, the, some of the money that he was expecting to come through, it didn't come through. And so in this really short period of time, it was about a 24-hour period, all the current was heading in one direction and then all of a sudden it spun round and it headed back in the other direction. Now, I said to the other fella I was going to take with me, I said, let's give it till lunchtime Friday, all right, because I need to get down to the passport office in the middle of the city by 4pm uh, to pick up my passport after that, it's incarcerated for the weekend. Well, two o'clock came and went. And uh, my passport literally, is down in Brisbane. All right? And do you know what? That's okay. That's okay. The Psalms say in Psalm 115, it says, the Lord God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. And you know what? My future, I mean, some of the reactions you could have is, man, that's... You just missed out on a sweet opportunity. You just go, well, not really. I'm only missing out on a sweet opportunity if my trust and my hope is actually in a particular outcome. But if my trust and my hope is in a person, it changes it. So I'm on the mower yesterday morning. And I've got... uh, you know, like everyone, I've got an iPhone. I've got apps on it, and the, I try to turn them off in the notification center. And every time, every now and then, a message goes off. And you go, is that a message or is that a dumb app? Or something? anyway. So I'm on the mower and I'm mowing. It's about 10 past 11, and uh, a message comes through on my phone, and I just kept mowing. I just said, no, I'm just going to keep mowing because this is probably one of the dumb apps I've got. Then it went off again. And okay, it's a message. You know who it is? It's Lynn Wilson. And you know what she said in the message? She said, we've just had someone pull out. (laughs) All right? Now, here's the interesting thing about it yesterday. If I had my passport, I'd probably be in Seattle today. All right? But passports office was closed. I rang them. There's no way of getting my passport. I probably, I I recognise a good shot at being able to get a flight to LA uh, on a Saturday afternoon from somewhere on the eastern seaboard. All right. So I send a message back to her saying I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to make it. Now, what do you do when you get to that point? Do you sit there and do you have regrets about the fact that you should have gone and picked up your passport on Wednesday like I originally planned? Is there an opportunity? It's, uh, do you get the thing? Like it, there's a. It's like. A fast-forwarded kind of videotape that's playing at a million miles an hour for about 10 minutes after I get that information. All right? And you, you start asking the what ifs. What if we travel in faith? What if she didn't shut us down? What if... And she was nice about it, so that's probably a bit harsh to say it that way, but what if she didn't say, don't travel without a place? What if I went and picked up my passport on Wednesday morning? But do you know what? Faith is not faith in an outcome. So I get to the end of it. Yeah, I've got the normal emotions that anyone would have travelling through that kind of thing, but I get to the end of it and you know what I know? What I know is this, is that I'm following a person and that person can organise for me to get a passport when it doesn't make any sense to me. And if he actually wants me to be there, I'll be there. I think he can do that. And I think he does do it, and the whole week has taught me that he can do whatever he wants. And the weirdest thing about it as a Christian is you've just got to try and keep up with him. You know, it's it's like you're trying to walk in his shadow all the time, but you just don't know whether he's going to go left, right, straight ahead, or back up at any point in time. And you know what? This is my encouragement to you out of my story, is you need to be really nimble. You need to be agile, you need to be flexible you need to be ready to be disappointed about your own plans because your plans are not that good. Alright? And mine aren't that good. His plans are always good. And they're always going to be the best. And one of the things I've been challenged about is, is my character up to scratch for where God might want to lead me? If God does something with me that's amazing, in His... Definition of what amazing is? Am I going to be able to handle that? And it was a sweet opportunity. I, I don't. I don't think God. I don't. God doesn't is not. I don't feel God's frown toward me. I don't feel him being upset with me. I feel. I feel his favor, but I feel the favor of a loving Father, who's taken me on this journey to show me I can do whatever you want, Peter. Well, oh, sorry. Let me rephrase that. I can do anything that was very badly said he doesn't do whatever i want he goes he can do whatever he wants to do the lord god is in heaven he does what pleases him and you know what the dynamics a lot of time i reckon with god we, we treat god like a machine you stick a prayer in you uh stick a whole bunch of variables in and this is kind of the result that you should get and then you get disappointed because he doesn't do things the way that you want him to do it. It's like the machine's malfunctioning. The machine is not malfunctioning. The way it works is you're in relationship with him. That's what it's meant to be. And when you're in, in a relationship with someone or you have a friendship with someone, it just goes up and down all the time and it kind of jags all over the place. Have you noticed that? It can be really close one minute and it can, then it can be distant another minute. And you know... You just got to be prepared and you got to be agile to follow him where he wants you to go. Now, I'm going to finish in about five minutes, and we haven't even opened up Hebrews yet. So, if you've got a Bible, I'd love you just to open it up to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. One of the things I was thinking about doing today in church is just going, okay, how about everyone just share with someone else a step of faith that, that they took in the last week, however big or small it is. We ought to have a 100 stories, true? However big or small, it, it's, it's not about going to Seattle. It's about, it might be about talking to your next-door neighbour who you haven't really talked to since they moved in. Hebrews 11. I'm going to make a few comments as we go through and then I'm going to finish with a story. I'm going to start at verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Note verse 22. By faith, Joseph... Now, Joseph was the one that God raised up in Egypt before the famine to save people and ended up saving the people of God. Think about this, by faith Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. He didn't get it. He didn't get the promised land. He didn't get God delivering the people, right? And can you imagine this guy? I mean, I was just um, talking to someone this week whose uh, mother's very sick and... um, She's had to plan her own funeral and uh, he just reflected with me about how harrowing it is for someone to actually have to plan their own funeral. Can you imagine Joseph? He's dying and you know what he's saying? He's going, right, let me tell you what's going to happen. After I die, God's going to free all of you lot out of Egypt and you need to take my bones when you go. I mean, that's... That's some pretty amazing trust and faith in God's Word, isn't it? In what God had said. I mean, most, probably most of us, or maybe just me, if you're fearing way better than me, I'd be just going, oh, this is going to hurt, you know, probably dying. <laughs> and he's going, okay, here's the deal. I haven't got it. I didn't get the promise. I didn't get the outcome. But the outcome's going to come because God's true to His Word. Now, I don't know what it's going to look like, but when it happens, just take my bones, can you? Can you just stick them in a box and carry them out? Let's keep going. 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. Yeah, what's really interesting about this is the commentators actually say the parents of Moses deduced because he was a good looking baby that God was going to do something sweet with him. That's what it says, right? I asked my, my boss is just a guru on Moses, my principal, and I said, why did they hide Moses? He goes, you tell me. <laughs> I said, because he was good looking. Now, isn't that another weird thing about God's plan? We can make some of the weirdest fickle decisions and God, for a whole nother reason, decides that he's going to use that weird fickle decision to do what he wants to do. True? Now, I mean, it's clear, the scriptures are clear uh, in the selection of the uh, the of King David I think it was, God said to Samuel, God doesn't look on the outward appearance but he looks on the heart. So here you've got a family that's made a decision on the outward appearance, stuck their kid in a boat on the Nile River because the Pharaoh wanted all the baby boys slaughtered and God works through a good looking kid. It's amazing. Let's keep going. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Do you know something that Fear malfunctions in the presence of faith. Now, you could say faith malfunctions in the presence of fear, but that's not true. Active trust, when it's present, makes fear malfunction. All right? And you can see here that the parents, they've got this guy who's in charge of them, He's telling people to kill all the baby boys, and they don't fear what he thinks. They make the decision about what they need to do uh, based on their trust in God. 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Imagine that. There would be no better household to live in than Pharaoh's household in terms of the wealth, the riches and the power. Listen to this. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. How do you go with that? We've got, to a large degree, the treasures of Egypt in Australia, don't we? In the West. Now, I'll probably show you the clip next week, but there's a Christian missionary that's just been bailed up in North Korea. Anyone see that on the news? Because he's in North Korea handing out tracts. And his wife says, "What?" She goes, yeah, well, we're in God's hands. We're faith missionaries. Just going, Yeah. And then at the end, they had an update on it, not last night, but the night before, and they finished the update and they said, the Australian government says that when you're in another country, you should follow their rules. Well, faith probably is not going to follow rules sometimes, is it? Because, and you could hear her kind of saying, she was pretty well spoken, she was kind of saying, like I interpreted, she's just going, well, someone's got to go and tell them about Jesus. They're not just going to follow the rules of the government. And watch all these people go to their destruction. Listen to uh, verse 26. Moses considered the reproach of Christ. Listen to this. This is amazing. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. That's intense, Right? faith does weird things, right? Active trust does weird things. It says, abuse and being kicked out and being an outcast is better than having everything you'd ever desire. That's better. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Now, some of you would know from Hebrew, uh, Exodus 2, I think 14 and 15 it is, that Moses fled from Egypt. Um, because he was afraid of the anger of the king right so it looks like we've got a bit of a contradiction here the really interesting thing is if you look at the uh exodus 2 verse 14 and 15 it actually doesn't you actually don't know how far it is between when he was afraid of the king and when he actually fled and one commentator has actually said they kind of dance all over the place this is a bit of an awkward one to be honest they kind of dance all over the place and Some commentators say what it's talking about is the Exodus, but that doesn't really work because it seems like he's working through a chronological kind of thing here. Um, But one commentator said this. They said, Moses had more options than just running away. He could have organized a slave's revolt. And there are obviously a lot of them. And this commentator suggests there was a gap between the moment that he killed the Egyptian that was abusing the Israelites and the moment that he actually fled. And when he fled, he fled in faith, not out of fear, which seems to be consistent with what the Jewish tradition teaches about Moses, that he didn't actually flee Egypt in fear. So you can look at, if you're really interested in it, you can look at um, Philo or Philo and uh, Josephus. The Jewish tradition is really clear. He didn't flee Egypt out of fear. Anyway, but look at why he didn't flee Egypt out of fear because he saw him who is invisible. Now that's an ongoing seeing. Verse 28, By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson. You should look these up. Look up the stories in the Old Testament and find out what they did. It's amazing. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Who's up for that? Put your hand up if you're up for that. Anyone? Are you serious? Like a quarter of you put your hands up. Who's up for that? That's good, right? But here's the problem, the next bit. And that's often the problem in the Bible is the next bit. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release. Tortured. It's like they're going, man, you stop talking about Jesus and we'll let you go. I'm happy with torture. So that they might rise again to a better life. So they've. I get to that. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Who's up for that? (laughs) They were stoned. It's not the marijuana type. They were sawn in two. Who's up for a good magic trick that doesn't undo? They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, and this glorious phrase, of whom the world was not worthy. See, that's God's definition of success, right? Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Do you notice something there? Faith doesn't always get the outcome that you want in the short term. Now, Hebrews 11 is clear about this. There's an outcome that's uncertain. Sorry, there's an outcome that is certain. There is an outcome that is not uncertain. And these guys hoped and trusted in God, that he was going to bring that particular outcome in the long term. So I'm going to finish. I'm going to read you a little devotional. Last week I read you a story out of the Jesus Storybook Bible and this is written by the same lady. It's called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. She has a beautiful way of putting it. Listen to this. What What could you do with your whole life to make God happy? It's a good question, isn't it? If you had to answer that, if you had to write it down on a piece of paper, what could you do with your whole life to make God happy? What would you write down? She writes compose a symphony, climb a mountain, build a cathedral, paint a picture. Write a book, invent something brilliant, pray for hours and hours. Now, God might ask you to do any one of those splendid things, but do you know what's more beautiful to God than anything else? What He loves best, what makes Him happiest? When you trust Him and believe that He loves you. He loves it when you trust Him. We're not just talking lip service trust. We're not talking Sunday trust. We're talking functional trust, second by second, minute by minute. He just loves it. And He doesn't want you to trust a particular outcome. He wants you to trust Him personally. And it's going to jag all over the place. But that's where the magic's going to lie. For the last uh, 10 or 15, I've, I've invited someone to come up and share their story a little bit. So that's um, it's kind of why you've heard a bit of Sondergill's story. But um, Joy, do you want to come out the front? Joy Argo's been at the project since almost its inception, true? Yeah. So if you're wondering what's wrong with her, that's... No, I'm kidding. She's... Uh, She's been a faithful attendee, she works at um, uh, Easterfest and uh, so she can't always be here because she herself is some kind of travelling roadshow for Easterfest, aren't you? So, And we just, look, honestly I've invited um, Joy to, to speak because um, I think it's really important for us to hear, a, you know, you can hear lots of testimonies about people that have massive blowouts and they went and did this and that, you know, and then they were a drug dealer on a, a million dollars a day drug habit or something, do you know what I mean? But it's good to hear stories from people who, uh, over a period of time, have been able to stay generally uh, on the track and following God. And so uh, Joy's kind of in that category a bit. Um, Anyway, so I'll get you a a microphone. Why don't you give a round of applause, hey, is that all right? Good stuff.
1: Hey, everybody. Um, I wrote out my little talk because I might get off track and talk too long. And Pete's already stolen some of my time, I've noticed. (laughs) um i was reflecting on a comment that pete mentioned about mark driscoll um a few weeks ago he said driscoll said that he hoped that his children grew up with a boring testimony and um in a way you could look at my testimony and say that that's a little like my story i was brought up in a christian family went to a christian school um and lived a relatively trouble-free life thus far um but I guess I want to say that my testimony is just not my salvation. My testimony is of God's faithfulness in my life every day. And in my humble opinion, it hasn't really been boring. And um, so I am just sort of picked out a few little stories um, to share today. Um, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, ever since I was eight, I wanted to serve God wherever and however that looked. I didn't really have any compelling careers to follow ...or desires to travel or even own anything. I've known deep in my spirit that I could trust in the Lord with all my heart... ...and I didn't have to worry about my own understanding. I could acknowledge God and have faith in Him and He would make my path straight. I remember being in grade 12 and wondering what the heck God wanted me to do next. Some of you guys might be in that place. (laughs) Um, My parents actually discouraged me from going to uni... ...and um, eventually I felt led to though anyway and um, threw out some options, you know, how you just put out your options and get into whatever you get into kind of thing. And I didn't put my first preference down because I thought I would easily get into it. It only needed an OP15, manual arts teaching. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I put another option down first uh, that required an OP7 which I thought I would not get. Long story short, I got an OP7 but somehow I still got into manual arts teaching. So I knew that God wanted me me to be in teaching, and um, the interesting thing was I even knew in my heart, though, that I was meant to do that teaching degree, but I didn't actually know how long it would be for, and I knew it potentially could be just for a short season. Um, Did my degree, God led me to my first teaching post through a painful horse riding accident out in Wandoan. Some of you may have noticed a nice little scar on my arm, Um, that was from that little night. (laughs) Um, I ended up in Tarum Hospital overnight and realised that the town existed and wasn't too far from home and had a rating six. Those of you who are teachers know that that's a good thing. Um, Little did I know that that, um, the manual arts teacher there at the time was retiring and somehow had heard about me and had put my name down and suggested it to the education department that I should have the job. I didn't know that at the time. So just before I was finished uni, I was thrown a distraction. I got uh, two job offers, one in Cunnamulla and one in Charleville, before of any of the other guys in my course. As you can imagine, there wasn't many other chicks in my course. Um, In my heart, though, I knew God wanted me to wait and not take either of those jobs. And on my way to my last exam, I got a call offering me the job at Taroom. So by faith, I moved to Tarum with all the dreams one could have mastered of being an awesome, life-changing teacher and all of that stuff, and only to find myself potentially in one of the most male chauvinistic schools and Christian-hating towns ever. <laughs> I was committed, though, because I knew God had put me. Many nights of tears and very little interaction with friends. At the same time, God, when I went out there, God sent a Christian principal to the school um, which obviously had it pros and cons, being friends of the principal. Um, at that time though, those six months that I was out there, it was the most, probably even though it was the hardest times, um, it was definitely the time where I grew Christ closest to the Lord because he took, stripped away everything, all my identity um, was gone and I only had him many lonely nights After six months there, my principal called me up and said that if the school lost another student, I would be the first teacher to go, and that I might like to pray about where I ended up next, get back thrown into the pit of going wherever. Um, That was on the Friday. That weekend, I was coming to Mount Tambourine for a training camp, and I told possibly about two people about my new predicament. I really hadn't thought much about it, and when... Um, I got back to Tarum. Monday after school, I got a call from a principal at Mueller College in Brisbane saying, This is probably a bit of a bum steer, but how would you like to start teaching at Mueller College in six weeks? I was gobsmacked. How in the world did he even know I was looking? He didn't, but God obviously did. To cut a lo- long story short, I ended up at Mueller College. Funny story though, um, in my last couple of weeks at Tarum, I kept it a secret that I was leaving because I didn't really want the guys to make it any more hell for me. And, um, one day I went to the post office, you know, the little boxes things to get my mail out and a voice from the other side of the box said to me, I hear you're leaving and going to Mueller college. (laughs) The post office guy somehow was related to the dude I was going to be teaching with at Mueller. (laughs) Small town, I tell you. (laughs) Um, Anyway, Mueller was amazing. My sh- It was like my stress rolled away. I could sleep at night. The students thought having a chick man arts teacher was actually cool and I replaced someone they didn't like. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> life was rosy. Um, when I was still at uni, I actually was a youth leader at Minden Baptist, and um, somehow got myself roped into organising a concert for a band that was making some waves at the time, Alabaster Box. Um, we ended up ho- holding a concert. And um, a couple of hundred more youth showed up than expected. I'd say they were expecting about 20. And um, Peter Pelican's band, I think they were called Remedy or something, they opened for us. And I met Wes Hixkey that night too. So connections back to here. Um, Without going into too much details, um, I ended up kind of organising concerts on the side. Um, for Alabaster Box. I thought that maybe God wanted me to kind of organize these outreach concerts on the side of teaching because it was a great way to connect students with extracurricular stuff that directed them to God. Um, I ended up organizing a concert at Deception Bay, great name for a town, and um, getting a different Christian band who was also had a bit of traction at the time um, to play and it went all bad. Um, there was not enough tickets sold. The atmosphere was spiritually oppressed. It felt like you could cut a knife, cut the atmosphere with a knife. It was just an incredible sense of it, like evil or something. When one of the band members got up to share the gospel, there was a mass exodus. I told God that that was an absolute waste of time, that I'd never organise another concert again. Anyway, two days later, I got a call from Alabaster Box asking me if I'd organise another concert. And of course, I couldn't say no. And they gave me six weeks to organise it. Sometime, um, um, at the time, I had been reading the book No Compromise by Keith Green. If you haven't read that book, highly recommend it. Um, I felt like this concert needed to focus on that and that we got the bands together, we prayed together before the night and um, just felt like that was meant to be what was going to happen. Anyway... That show was out in Ipswich and it was the biggest ticketed event that Alabaster Box had ever had. There were youth groups ringing me saying, which church is putting this on? I'm like, ah, just me. It's open for anyone. I wasn't under a church. It just, yeah, it was just amazing. I was overwhelmed by the presence of God that night. When young people went forward at the end of the night, I went and spoke to a girl who ended up giving her life to Christ. Then a youth leader came up to me, like I've not been at the front at all, right, so I'm just a background person, no one knows who I am. A youth group leader comes up to me and says, God wants me to talk to you, she's been challenging me about living a non-compromised life, and I was just blown away. The presence of God was just so tangible in that place. Um, My heart's desire was to see that happen more. At the end of that night, Isaac Moody from Easterfest, or back then AGMF, asked me if I'd consider coming and working for Easterfest. Um, and then also Alabaster Box, Brett from Alabaster Box said, what the heck's going on? Maybe we're meant to work together. It was like everything that we worked on together kind of just worked. And, um, I didn't really know that there was a job like that anyway. (laughs) So I didn't sleep much, um, that night for a couple of reasons, but one of them was wondering what the heck was God up to next. Um, the following year I felt prompted, um, to work a nine-day fortnight for Alabaster Box, organising tours on the side of teaching. This is like my third year of teaching. <laughs> um, so, and I paid off my car and brought a laptop and, um, and then <clears throat> decided the following year to finish teaching and move by faith to the Gold Coast uh, and start working for Alabaster Box, doing bookings and tour management, even though I didn't really know what that all entailed. By this point, my family thought I was mad. I'd done a four-year degree, taught for three years, and was now letting it all go to work for nothing. Forgot to mention that I was from a very conservative family who didn't actually let me listen to music with a drum beat. <coughs> so I was working for a rock and roll band, and they had a band, <laughs> drums. Um, so anyway, it didn't really make sense, but God provided. God made a way for the band to bring the gospel to towns all over Australia. From Dolby to Biloela, Kunimala, where we actually met a rich dude who decided he wanted to help us out by providing us a bus that didn't break down. Um, from Melbourne to South Australia to Darwin, Alice, all over the place. It was a real fate journey. I remember once being stuck at home in the office while the band were on a, a, a tour I'd organised to um, the Northern Territory. There's not many places between here and there, but they, there was only about four shows in the three weekends and the expenses alone were over $10,000. Um, that was probably not including paying us. Anyway, I got a call after the first gig. Um, it was days later because they had no reception between Mount Either and Darwin um, from a stressed-out band member saying, um, ''Are you sure these shows are being promoted okay?'' ''We didn't cover costs the first night.'' in Mount Isa, and I thought that Mount Isa should have been one of the bigger shows. You know, Mount Isa is probably bigger than Alice. I can't remember, or Catherine at least. Um, I was really mad because I knew in my heart that God had sent them on this journey, and I knew that God would provide. He wouldn't send them out there without, you know, providing. So I was kind of mad at the band for not having faith. (laughs) Um, But, you know, they just wanted to make sure it was all good. I'd actually flown up there weekends, or even maybe six months earlier, And just felt God had just totally prepared the way just to suss it all out. Turns out the vibe in Darwin was absolutely amazing. Over 800 people showed up and over 450 in Alice Springs, which is really huge in those towns. Lives had changed and faith in our God was strengthened and we ended up turning over more cash in those four shows than potentially we had on any other tour. We were reminded that God would not lead us somewhere and then leave us in the lurk. This happened time and time again. Then God provided a crazy opportunity for us to tour with a band in the States. I don't know if anyone's heard of Day of Fire. They were a heavy band back in the day. Uh, And another festival. It was crazy favour from God and we felt like God was um, wanting us to use that as a way of getting a year-long visa to travel and move to the States. So the band went and did the tour and I joined them for the last two nights of the show. They came home. I stayed in America for three months and tried to plan a tour for them. Um, it was the hardest three months in my life probably. It took probably two and a half months to actually book a single gig. And <laughs> I was got to the point where if I got a no from a pastor, it was almost as good as a yes because someone had actually acknowledged me. <coughs> Um, I could really relate to Pete's um, uh, message last week where he said, Homesickness without endurance is inseparable. It was hard. I wondered if we missed the memo from God and ended up in the wrong country. But somehow somehow through it all, it seemed like there was still a deep peace that we were meant to be there. Bits and pieces came together. We ended up swapping countries. I came back home to get a working visa and did a couple of months contract teaching back here in Australia, which was also really hard because I just felt my heart was calling me back to the States, even though I never dreamed of holidaying in the US, let alone living there. Um, Easter 06, I found myself back in Nashville at New River Fellowship, being, which ended up being my church for the next four years, being led and worshipped by the artist Michael W. Smith. It was a really wild experience. I'm sure I was rubbing shoulders with more famous Christian and country artists than I even realised, considering I'd barely listened to music nor cared about it much. I was this little shy kid in high school that was intimidated and insecure and had a deep longing inside of me to not care about what people thought and to be friends with everyone. God allowed me to meet amazing people all over the world on a shoestring budget when I was in need, he provided. He gave me opportunities I didn't know existed and precious friends in the States that I still miss so dearly. Did Alabaster did Box ever get big and famous and sign a record deal? Not really. Was there any point going over with them from our eyes? Maybe, who knows? But it was just a faith journey for us and um, and it really does depend on where you place your value. I think success is related to obedience and we wanted to, we went because he said to and um, by, by faith we have to believe that God like he, like he said he would and like he did here in Australia um, also challenged and changed lives all over there and by faith God provided for all our needs including, including providing us another brand new tour bus in the States when our season in the U.S. came to an end in March 2010, I felt like I was meant to stay on a little longer. There was something I needed to do. We had all throughout the years raised money to refurbish a well in Sierra Leone, and for some reason, I felt like God wanted me to go to Sierra Leone. Um, there's a team. There's a team that I knew that were going from Buffalo, New York, and I was going to try and connect with them and go. But right before I was meant to kind of seriously be thinking about going. Um, it all fell through. Like I was like not even getting paid anything at this point. And like I was getting, finding random babysitting jobs all over Spring Hill, Tennessee by these random people who found out about me. I don't know why they trusted me with their kids, but it got me through. <laughs> it was very weird. <clears throat> My housemate let me mow a lawn every week for a hundred dollars less, um, um, rent a month. <laughs> it was just awesome. Anyway, um, I ended up, so that church gig fell through and um, I texted one of my friends saying, I'm not sure if God's just closed the door for me to go to Sierra Leone, it was kind of a similar deal like this that Pete shared today, or if God's just redirecting my steps and um, this is one Sierra Leone, you know the movie Blood Diamond that's the place you know, kind of a dangerous country to go and I thought it possibly could be perceived as unwise travelling there alone Anyway, I, need, I emailed my um, contact in Sierra Leone, Ruth, who had, her and her husband had refurbished the wells that we'd raised money for. And she said, yep, get on the plane, you'll be right. I'll pick you up at the airport. And by this point, I still didn't have a dime to my name and um, needed over two and nearly two and a half grand for flights. I needed injections and I needed to apply for visas. And I ended up having to do all that on the banned credit card because. <laughs> I didn't have the money but I needed to get all that stuff happening uh, before my friends had put on a, a fa- party with a purpose farewell pa- for me and um, we ended up at this party with a purpose, I don't know, way too many rocked up to my house and we had raised over $3,000 so above and beyond what I needed. So there's just story after story of God's faithfulness even in that story alone and I just cannot forget his benefits to me, um, like we were reflected to look at the other day, Psalms 103. Within weeks, I was headed to Sierra, Sierra Leone. Obviously, unsure of what for, exactly what for, but farewelling Nashville, the place I'd called home for four years. Um, <clears throat> stepping into Sierra Leone was a very, very dark spiritual place and I was in desperate need of living water. I arrived at a very stressful time and was really able to help Ruth. Her husband actually had to fly back to the States during that two weeks I was there um, to visit his sick sick dad. So it was really interesting how I just happened to be there at this right time to kind of be with her. And I can't express how stressed this lady was. Um, It was just interesting. I was going to bring my blog book that I'm writing I forgot it so I'll do it another time for you to see if anyone's interested um while I was in Africa though I certainly was praying the prayers yes God I do remember praying that I'll go anywhere for you but man it would be hard to come back here <laughs> even though it was an incredibly life-changing opportunity it's a bit tricky to know where to start and stop um and which stories to share I'm so grateful for God's faithfulness in and his plan for my life there for sure has been some rough patches, many lonely nights wondering we why God hasn't yet given me a husband to share the journey with, but I have to trust that he knows what is best for me. He has never failed me. His plans have been much more had a much more adventurous twist than I could have ever imagined. So particularly to you young guys who are trying to work out what to do or where to go or who to marry, take the risks, follow God what God's putting in your heart, and he will work out the rest ironically enough as Pete already mentioned God's led me God led me home in 2010 and the job offer to work at Easterfest came back at me and here I am and for some reason still sharing in this incredible ministry and still unsure if I'll ever teach again (laughs) and that's my story
0: Well, I'm just going to close. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So uh, what I want to do just to close is, uh, if there's anyone that's like Joy and I, I'd like to pray for you. So if you uh, are in a place, you just think I need an increase in faith. I need to repent and turn around from trusting in outcomes. Maybe you're just uh, in a position of doubt. Maybe you're somebody who doesn't trust God uh, like you used to because you wanted a particular outcome and he didn't, he didn't bring it about. And you need to be refreshed in placing your trust in Him. Why don't you stand up with me now? Because I'm one of those. If you identify with us too, stand up and uh, let me pray for you, huh? Hey? God, thank you that uh, you're faithful and you just keep going. You just keep being who you are. Your character continues. It doesn't stop. When we... Are inconsistent when we kind of just turn our face a little bit toward outcomes instead of facing you and trusting in you. You uh, you keep being faithful and you keep doing what you need to do and you keep drawing us back to yourself. And God, everyone uh, who's standing here now, who's in this category, God, we just want to say sorry to you that we stop trusting you, and we just want to say sorry to you for the times where we get more concerned about what the outcome might be rather than just following you rather than trusting you, rather than heading into the place you want us to go with you in a personal relationship rather than based on an outcome. And so, God, I pray that faith, active trust in you as a person in a personal relationship would rise. God, that it would rise for all of us and that it would rise for those who are standing here now and that this church would be a hugely fruitful church. As we take risks, as we move with you into areas that we can't see and we don't know how it's going to work out, but it doesn't matter, we're with you. The outcome's not, no, not even close to being as important as just being with you. And we'll just leave you with the outcome. You're a specialist at it. So you've got to pray your blessing um, on that and on these guys. Amen.